Yes, that's right. It's Handkerchief Dynasty returning for the second consecutive evening. Two in a row! Two in a row! I mean, you know, on the eve of what is uh, only the second of a paltry total amount of Battles of Alberta this year. You know, on, on BOA Eve, I thought uh, I would check in once again. This is, a, once again, a very special, very emotional, very personal solo episode. Um, brought to you by, as always, uh, Chef Lonely Hearts, Soup for One. We uh, love that sponsor. I've been bound to leave you. We've known that for a while. I mean, you know, it's it's a painful sponsorship, but a very lucrative one, like so many others. Um, you know, it's quite funny... I needed uh, personally, this is uh, Handkerchief Dynasty, by the way, the 19th best Edmonton Oilers podcast. I am, as always, your secret professor. Um, But it is funny. It's taken me a full extra day to adjust, to catch up to the events of the Chicago game. The events of the Chicago game on like a per event basis, there was enough event jammed into that one game for like three games. So I'm finally now you know, starting to feel uh, good about the win, you know, not too worried about um, how horrible the officiating is. It's like, you know, when you go through a really bad breakup and sometimes you just think about it all throughout the day and then eventually you get over it and you find you're thinking about it less and less throughout the day. I'm kind of going through this with my relationship with uh, NHL officiating standards, which are extremely low. The lowest of the low. So low. Um... And it's interesting to me because I did put out this Twitter poll uh, and the results are in. Um, This was actually the first poll in Twitter history to have over a trillion votes, which is uh, a really big fucking deal. I mean, you know, don't look at the the poll itself. Just take my word for it. But it was uh, well over a trill, which is uh, a pretty good feeling. uh, I'm not going to lie. I really thought it was... Uh, a boon for us. So I asked, are the Chicago Blackhawks arrival of the Edmonton Oilers? 7.9% of respondents said yes. 55.3%, the majority, said nah. Nah. Nah, they're not a rival. And then there was a third option, maybe like a bit. Maybe they are like a little bit a rival of the Oilers. And that got 36.8%. So I feel as though there's... Uh, a, a silent majority waiting to speak out. I mean, my problem with the, the results of this poll and why I feel the need to castigate everyone involved and the greater pu- public at large, don't we remember being eliminated by Chicago in the play-in round? Like, didn't that hurt? Didn't that bite? Didn't that cause you psychic pain? Didn't that put an extra strain on your personal and professional relationships? You know, did it affect your sleep patterns? Were you eating normally? You know, if you had to rate your day on a scale of 1 to 10... What were the metrics telling you, my friend? Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I hold a huge grudge for that. I want to completely destroy the Chicago Blackhawks every single time we play them uh, for the foreseeable future just for that, because I'm a vindictive person. And while I try to avoid being vindictive in most elements of my life, when it comes to hockey fandom, I feel as though being vindictive is kind of one of the, one of the secret pleasures to the whole the whole endeavor if you ask me 
Um, but, you know, it's finally sinking in. We beat the Hawks finally in that wacky fucking game with 17 penalties and time and space itself being redefined. You know, the Q continuum got involved and changed the gravitational constant of the universe for a while there. I, I still think I'm going to keep on beating the drum. The officiating is in a horrible state. Horrible, horrible state. Like decades behind where it needs to be. Um, but at the same time, we, we got the win. The Oilers in general have actually, you know, uh, the, with a few blips along the way, played pretty well during mostly what's been a pretty tough schedule. So I'm really not going to complain. I mean, I think it's kind of silly to complain at this point, uh, in my view. But, you know, if, if you're kind of a complainer, I guess have at it, Haas. I mean, what, what, are you gonna, what am I going to do? I can't hear you talking. I have no control over how, what you do with your life. But I wouldn't recommend complaining at this point. Um, feels like a high kind of stakes game. I mean, every game against Calgary is a high stakes game. I kind of have a theory at this point that the NHL scheduler was looking at the schedule and he was thinking about the Battle of Alberta. And he was thinking to himself, like, man, this is, like, such a fucking explosive, intense rivalry. Um, And maybe, like, maybe there was the thought, you know what, like, maybe this is, like, a little bit dangerous. Like, maybe these teams, like, shouldn't be playing each other. Maybe there was a mediator that got involved and the two parties kind of agreed to uh, separate for a little while just to, like, let things cool off. Because you don't want, you don't want hell boiling over because of a, a regular season game between two teams in Alberta. You know, that could really throw throw things off kilter. And in a society, in a civilization, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to remind you, is uh, kind of already at its wit's end. Let's be perfectly reasonable here. Let's be honest and upfront about our assessment of things overall. Um, okay, so let's look at the head-to-head matchup here, okay? Calgary, their top scorer, Big Nazim Kadri. In six games, has nine points. Not bad, not bad. You got Rasmus Anderson with seven. You got Jonathan Huberdeau with five points in six games. You know, not bad. Not bad. Not amazing when you compare it to, I mean, the the highest scoring player on their team has as many points as the fourth highest scoring player on our team in Zach Hyman, who's a plus three to Kadri's plus one. And then obviously we got the two 15-point guys. I mean, really, you know, and honestly, it's it's been interesting. One of the most beautiful things... One of the most chef-kissed things about potentially Ryan McLeod locking it in on that third line is, you know, unleashing uh, the possibilities for Nuge to just get in, get in on some of that sweet offensive action in the top six, man. Like, that's, that's a beautiful place, and it's where Leon and Connor belong, and it's where they'll take their line mates along. So, like, maybe it's just where, maybe it's where Nuge belongs as well. Just a thought. I mean, you know, he's what the five and inch, five and change million dollar man, but who knows? Like he's actually still pretty. When you think about it, in terms of playing as a winger, he's actually pretty like young in his career, and maybe potentially the Nuge just gets better and better as you know he's proven to be an extremely wily, extremely smart, uh, extremely hardworking player throughout his career. So, like, who knows? Like we could be looking at Nuge if if. Nuge could be getting even better and better as a winger as he settles in, if that's going to be how things go long term, um, which I'm I'm all for. I mean, Ryan McLeod's a dynamic talent. 
He's a dynamic personality. He's got, as I mentioned yesterday, the charm of a classic Nintendo franchise. Kind of reminds me of Kirby, to be honest. All the Kirby games. I was a big fan of Kirby Golf. But, you know, it's like a cuddly, kind of like like a wholesome but challenging feeling. You know, the way like a really well-designed Nintendo game will introduce a mechanic to you and then force you to kind of try and learn to master it a little bit and then make you use it in a way you hadn't thought about before and then like finally do like the ultimate defeat the final boss before moving on you just get that beautiful cascading satisfaction because the game design is so on point rhythmically that's what ryan mcleod feels like to me um but one of the beautiful things about hockey as a team sport and a really fun thing to get to look uh to watch as a fan is when one player steps up and then there's a domino effect where that has an effect on another player's place in the lineup and is potentially even more beneficial for them than the first person. And I think we could be looking at a situation like that with uh, McLeod and uh, the Nuge. Um, I also wanted to call out, I think it's an interesting story. It's an interesting story to me as a Tyson Berry apologist, apologist in the classical sense of defending him. Not, not in the sense of apologizing for him. Um, that's, uh, that's a reference for you classical history fans out there. Um, like, they're playing Tyson Berry now on the penalty kill. At least he's getting some time there. Oh, wait, no, the last game he only got a little bit. Well, what about the game before that? I kind of, I'm kind of hoping that's something they continue trying, because uh, that to me is interesting on a multitude of levels. One, it could help, uh, kind of like even out the load there. Yeah, he's getting like a minute per game now. I don't think he got anything last year, or like up to this point. This is a pretty new thing, and I like, I like the element of him, because the thing is, he may not be the best defender on the rush sometimes, but in terms of position and puck play i think he's actually got all the tools to be a halfway decent penalty killer at least like a second or third unit guy um and i i like tyson berry i like having tyson berry on this team i don't care what anyone says you know it's uh it's one thing to feel as though you have an abundance of a certain type of player on your team um and that's a really good position to be in. And to be honest, I'd almost rather have that than the position of saying, okay, well, we're, we don't really have the abundance anymore, but like now we have like some extra money or we have like this other thing. I mean, you're kind of rolling the dice that like the people that the people that have been calling to trade Barry for years to free up cap space and just grab another player. I mean, fine. Sure. Like if it's a hockey trade, whatever. Although I like I like his jib too. I got to tell you the guy's got a great jib. Like I don't I don't feel I, I don't understand why people don't notice this. He's hilarious, you know, smart as a whip. Humor as a sign of into deep intelligence, okay? And humility and character. He looks like Clark, like a Clark Kent type basically, okay? And he's a scrum guy. He's like whenever there's scrums, he's right fucking in there, which is awesome. He's not even he's not a big guy. He's not known to drop the mitts, but like he's not afraid to get involved and uh and he's fucking wicked smart on that power play, baby. Like, I love the way he plays 
the puck on the power play. I'm just going to go out there and say it. And we've been like blessed to have that presence on our power play for the last little while. I think we're a little bit spoiled now. And yeah, of course, Bouchard, also totally exciting emerging talent. And I'm fine with them trading time on that top unit this year or whatever going forward. But uh, yeah, a little Tyson Berry apology. But like to return to the Battle of Alberta, it is... It's so heightened with only the three games. I swear to God, the scheduler got together with like NHL public relations and NATO and all the powers that be. And they said, look, the NHL games between the Flames and the Oilers have potential to be so explosive. They could potentially bring down like civilization itself because it's again, it's already hanging by a thread. We've established this, everybody. And they said, "Okay, can we limit the damage? What if we only schedule like two or three regular season games? And I'm sure in the room people said, hey, if you do that, people are going to ride in the streets over that. And they were like, no, no, it'll be everyone will talk about it for a few weeks. But then they'll, they'll move on. You know, they'll move on. There'll be, you know, there'll be some Kanye uh, West news and they'll all be thinking about that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And they're like, OK. And like the only reason why we're not getting a fourth Battle of Alberta this year is uh, because it's just too fucking dangerous. And to be honest, I kind of agree and I'm kind of fine with it because like fuck, Calgary's kind of unhinged like calgary is like you're like too intense uh like sisters ex who like they got married and they had a kid and they got divorced but like he seemed super aggressive and kind of like fucking just intense and like just like unpleasant to be around and then like like three times a year there's like family events where you have to like go and like like be in the same space or whatever and it's like you know it's fine but it's just like really really shitty and it kind of chips away at your soul a little bit i feel like that's the vibe that's the vibe i'm almost getting from the quote-unquote battle of alberta right now because like unless we meet in the playoffs in which case you know all bets are off you know lock up your daughters and everyone hold on to your butts because like shit's gonna go crazy i don't know i feel like i feel like it's just the battle of alberta games this year because there's only the three we just kind of need to just get through them and not like over imbue them with importance. That being said, I definitely think the Oilers are, are the favorite. Um, especially if we get some, continue to get solid goaltending. Um, I'm still not gonna start making comments about Jack Campbell. I mean, you know, you sign a goalie to a multi-year deal, you give that goalie time, you know, some fucking goalies, like I hate to say it here, everybody, but we've all seen it. They look. There's been huge goalies signed to huge deals who've looked like garbage their first year on the new team. Garbage, pure fucking garbage. <clears throat> and that was a new big news story for that year. But then they bounced back the next year and everything was fine. So it's 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 all possible that it's just adjustments because you know, Jack Campbell's a big cat guy. You know, cats. Maybe he's like got some cat like. I mean, he's got cat like reflexes, obviously, but maybe he's got some other cat like attributes. Like he's still figuring out how to kind of situate himself in the environs, you know, where to clean his claws and where to take a shit, and uh, where to stare at birds through the window while making strange noises. Um, these things take time. These things take time to figure out. Um, and in, in, I mean, it, and it's possible that, uh, you know, I think I, I think Skinner is a guy that could potentially shoulder the load while Campbell's finding his game, and that could potentially be like totally fine. And I think we'll, at best we'll still see probably like pretty close to fifty fifty split between the two. Um, 
Because quite frankly, even though Jack Campbell's stats look really bad right now, and even though I'd like to see a few more saves, I feel like he's been hung out to dry more of the two goalies. And as any dry cleaner will tell you, when you're hanging your goalies out to dry, you have to rotate them well. It's like you don't wear, if you have two pairs of shoes, you don't wear one five days in a row and then wear the next one only for one. You got to rotate that shit, okay? It's the same thing with the dry cleaning, same thing when you're hanging out your goaltenders to dry. You want to try and hang them out to dry evenly, if you're going to hang them out to dry at all, which, you know, you don't actually have to do. As any dry cleaner will tell you, there's many options. Just, like, talk to, if you have a good one, you know, which I'm lucky enough to have, thank goodness. Um, We have a special guest uh, phoning in. They have uh, some opinions on the Battle of Alberta and its potential cosmic uh, consequences. This is a huge developing story. We're going to continue to follow this closely in the Handkerchief Dynasty newsroom, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Calling in, it's the uh, Crab Nebula. That's true. Yeah, I agree. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, I mean, there you have it. We know exactly why. There's okay. There can only be three Battle of Alberta's this uh, season, folks. I think the Crab Nebula made itself uh, extremely clear there. The consequences of uh, there being more than three or less than three, pretty fucking dire. Not going to lie. I was uh, surprised to hear that. If you uh, are enjoying the show and uh, you're enjoying listening to it, you should check us out on Twitter at HankerchiefDY1, and the High Priest of Oilers Magic is at High Priest Oil. Wishing him the best. He's uh, he's going through some tough times. Uh, on top of everything else, there's now a uh, banshee infesta- infestation involved. And, uh, you know, we all know demonic possessions can be uh, very tricky. They can be very trying, really put a, a strain on the household budget. But... Uh, you know, as long as we say the correct amount of rosaries, I'm sure everything will be fine. So everyone send uh, your love and your thoughts and your best wishes there. To start the show off, I believe we, yeah, we listened to some Gang of Four, Return the Gift. What should we listen to for the outro, folks? Let's ask the uh, Handkerchief Dynasty news robot. Yeah, last episode, uh, we heard 1984 by Igami Junko. For the outro, we'll hear some Nakahara Meiko the song is called Hallelujah Anyway, and it's become a bit of an anthem, not going to lie. Thank you for listening, and enjoy your evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.